My name is Patrick J. McGinnis, and I coined the term FOMO. That's short for fear of missing out, and it's why some people end up following the crowd. But we're not like them. We're part of a new species that isn't afraid to do things differently. I call us FOMO sapiens. And this is the show where you'll meet people like us, phenomenal FOMO sapiens, to learn how they find the courage and the ideas to live exceptional lives. FOMO. FOMO. Hey, everybody. Welcome to FOMO Sapiens, the show for people who don't just follow the crowd, but instead take their own path to success in business and in life. I'm your host, Patrick J. McGinnis, venture capitalist by day, author and podcaster by night, and FOMO Sapiens 24-7. And we are continuing our month of healthcare and wellness startups and entrepreneurs with a really cool company called Oaxaca Health. Oaxaca is building a better healthcare experience for Latinos and it's led by my guests today, who are Eric Cardenas and Marissa Hardin, who are the co-founders of the company. Now, let me tell you a little bit about them first before I tell you what we're going to talk about. Eric is a healthcare tech strategist with more than 20 years of leadership experience. In 2021, he co-founded Socolo Health to deliver a first-class family medicine experience for the Latino community. Now, before founding Socolo he served as a founding team member and senior leader at Amazon Care. And before that, he had roles at Tenet Health and Everly Well. Now, like Eric, Marissa also worked at Amazon before she co-founded Zocalo Health with him. And she was on the founding team for Amazon Care and AWS's Health and Human Services Vertical, where she led biz dev initiatives for Amazon customers. She's had a bunch of different healthcare roles, coming up with solutions for Medicare and Medicaid populations for companies such as Omaha and Allaire Health Optum. And her experience in Medicaid and Medicare started during her tenure at the U.S. Health and Human Services Department, where she led policy programs for the Health Information Exchange. Now, we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff today. What I'm really interested here, and we talked about it on Faux Mondays the other day, is just like they're going after this very clear target market. One could call it a niche market, right, because it's about 15 percent of the U.S. population. So I just wanted to get sort of start that conversation, talking about how you identify that niche, how you figure out what you're going to do for that niche. Like, what is the specific solution you're going to offer that's different and relevant? Here, we're talking about the Latino market in the U.S. We're going to talk about expected and unexpected challenges and how the team responded. And finally, we're talking about raising money because this population, Latino entrepreneurs, I think it gets about 1% or less of capital, right? So even though you have this, this population that's 15% of the United States, super underfunded. So we talk about how do you raise money when you are part of a group that just is not yet part of the, you know, getting its fair share, as it were, of venture capital. So that's what we're gonna talk about. Now I have a small ask. It's an easy one, so easy. Just subscribe to the podcast, please. I would really appreciate it. Go ahead, go on your app, subscribe. If you're feeling generous, give me five stars and a little review, but just a subscription. That's all I'm asking for today. All right, and now onto the interview. As you know, I like to go deep early, and so I started by asking Eric my favorite question, what's a formative decision you've had to make to get to where you are today? Yeah, well, thanks, Patrick. Um, man, I've listened to your podcast uh, a number of times, and I know that a lot of people like to go way back early into their careers, early into life, when they think about these formative decisions. I think for us, though, uh, you know, I'm, I'm speaking for Marissa and myself. I think the formative decision for us was was being able to make the decision to take uh, to leave our, our really comfortable jobs at Amazon to start a new company that was really focused on 
addressing some of the pain points that we experienced growing up as, as Latinos in our community. That was definitely uh, the formative decision that has really kind of done a lot for us and, and, and for our community and, and is really kind of paving the way for what we're building. Yeah, it's a big decision, Eric. I'm wondering when you did that, I mean, it's easier, I think, when you have a partner to do it with like than doing it alone. But like, how long did that take you to decide? You know, um, when you're working at a big company like Amazon, you recognize that there, there's a lot to learn. You, you, you pick up on, on new ways of thinking, new ways of, of building. Um, but it was uh, certainly uh, a decision that was, that was very, very, very difficult. Um, as you can imagine, uh, being in the startup world, Latinos don't get a lot of uh, venture capital to, to start companies. Um, but just knowing that we had um, a mission that people aligned with, both Marissa and I aligned with it, our families aligned with it, uh, but that we had early interest from investors that really felt that what we were trying to build was important, that did really make the, the, the decision a little easier for us and allowed us to really, you know, take the leap. And I, I think that was a, a very important thing. It took months for us to kind of get comfortable uh, walking away from a dream job that, that we that was that was really the case for both Marissa and I um, was difficult, but we knew that um, you know we had we had good intentions and and if we could execute, we we're going to use an impact for our community. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. We're going to talk about the the particular challenges for Latino founders later on in this conversation, but let's start at the very beginning, Marissa. So. What is the problem you're trying to solve? Get, tell us about why you started this company and what, what, what you're doing in, in, in the healthcare space. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great question to start with because when we think about the problem, it goes back to, uh, to Eric's point. Our um, early days, I was born in rural New Mexico. Eric was born and raised in inner city Houston, two totally different environments, but we shared some of the same experiences. And that was an experience of not being able to navigate the existing healthcare system, having a lot of trouble finding providers that accepted our insurance, could see us um, within a couple of weeks, um, spoke the language that our parents and grandparents were speaking. My grandparents immigrated from Mexico to New Mexico and struggled their entire life to access the healthcare system. So from an early age, I recall being a navigator for my family and filling out forms, making doctor's appointments. Being in rural New Mexico, we would often drive four to five hours for a specialist appointment. So those early memories of really struggling to access healthcare really spurred my interest in working in the healthcare industry. I didn't know what that was gonna mean. I, I wanted to be a doctor for a long time. That didn't quite work out, but started to craft a career in policy and public health. Um, Eric had some of the similar experiences growing up, but in inner city, Houston. So fast forward almost 20 years later, some of those same systematic issues still exist. And that is long wait times for primary care. That's providers that don't speak the language of the communities that they serve. That is poor quality and um, rushed appointments, short appointments. And given everything that we know about healthcare, innovation is happening at a really quick pace, 
but communities and especially the Latino community continues to be left behind. So as Eric and I shared these perspectives meeting at Amazon, Eric brings this rich entrepreneurship experience, tech experience. I come from a policy and business background. We had the same passion and we had the same vision of reinventing the way care is offered to the Latino community. So we really wanted to rethink the way that we connect the Latino community to primary care, knowing that primary care is really the entry into the healthcare system that the Latino community continues to struggle to navigate. So I, I think there's many layers to the problem and a lot of those layers are systematic at the US level, at the policy level, at the way healthcare is structured. But we wanted to take a lens of what is Latino culture like and why are some of those cultural barriers keeping Latino patients from accessing high quality care? So that's really where, where things started. And we started to unravel some of the major pain points that the Latino patient will encounter when they're trying to exist, uh, access healthcare and start to solution around those. And that's, that's how Zocalo Health was born is how do we remove a lot of those very common barriers to accessing primary care and make this about the Latino patient, not only in language, but in culture, in tradition and in community, and most importantly, within the family. FOMO. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, or delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you improve efficiency by bringing all major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. And with rising prices everywhere you look, you got to do the math and save money. Good news, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. So head over to NetSuite.com slash FOMO. That's NetSuite.com slash FOMO. NetSuite.com slash FOMO. To the bay, meus queridos FOMO sapiens. Now that right there was Portuguese. And as you know, I love speaking foreign languages. But I'm not alone. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off that list with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Now, FOMO Sapiens, you know I speak four languages, and it takes work to stay on top of them, especially with French. C'est difficile. But with Babbel, I'm able to practice practical conversations that I can actually use in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash FOMO. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash FOMO. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash FOMO. Rules and restrictions may apply. FOMO. So... Eric, the other thing that I think is kind of interesting, and, and I'd love you to talk about this, is 
you know, you, you come from the two of you, you know, you work in Amazon. We forget, I think Amazon, I'm like Amazon prime. It's a book showing up. Maybe, you know, it's like the fabulous Mrs. Maisel or whatever that show is called, but Amazon is actually a big healthcare company. And so not only, you know, you've identified the problem from your personal life, which is a big part of the equation, but like, that's not sufficient because you also, I mean, healthcare is a, it's, I I know nothing about healthcare. It's one of the most regulated industries. It's big and scary. And there's like insurance people and that whole thing. I can't even barely figure out my own healthcare. What was it about your professional experiences that convinced you that you would be the right team to build this business? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I think that, you know, obviously Marissa talked about the personal experience and that is extremely important, uh, especially when, when you talk about founder market fit, which is a topic that I know you've talked about before in the past. Um, when you combine our lived experience with our professional experience, you know, we, we've worked across, you know, policy. We worked with large traditional health systems. We've been part of, um, large scale startups. And then we, we got to learn the Amazon way, which really re- focused on bringing customer obsession to healthcare, which is something that's not really a priority for a lot of our legacy health systems today. Um, I think that that experience really formed who we are and really helped us to really understand what healthcare can be. It really taught us that healthcare is not just about providing a commodity service, but actually improving the overall experience for everybody involved, not just the patient and their families, but even for our doctors and our nurses. I mean, through the pandemic, we saw what, what these systems could, could really, really, you know, uh, bring people down. You know, we have a lot of frontline workers who are suffering, who, who come to us and tell us, hey, we're mission aligned. We want to work with you. We want to we want to be a part of this new solution. And uh, I think that's where just this combination of experience, timing is also going to be really important. You know, we're at a point now in healthcare and in the broader industry where consumers, you know, want to be a part of something that has that, that's more than just convenience and more than just like value for their dollar, but that it also means something that has an impact that 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 stands for something more than just the dollar. And I think that's where our experience really comes through and really helps us deliver. Um, on, on this opportunity. And again, I, I talked a little bit about just from an investment perspective, you know, there are a lot, there are not a lot of Latino entrepreneurs that, that are raising venture capital these days. Um, we definitely um, took advantage of, of the, the markets in 2021 and, uh, you know, now have a responsibility to, to take this experience uh, that we have both personal to professional experience and, and deliver results for, uh, for the stakeholders. And I think that's where, um, that, that's where, that's why I, I'm, I'm really, um, convinced that we, we are the right team. And, and the, and the beautiful part about it, Patrick, is, is that it's not just me and Marissa. There is an entire team behind Socalo Health that is mission aligned, that is really, uh, focused on bringing uh, a better experience to our, to our community. And, and we are enabling them to, to come together and help us build this together. And so that, that's definitely, uh, something that I think, uh, people recognize and and is working to our advantage. Yeah, Patrick, I'll, I'll add that Eric brings up founder market fit. And one of the things that was very important to us when we decided to build Zoclo Health is that we were building something that we would use, that our families would use, and that our friends would use. And so we often get asked a lot, what is the inspiration behind this? Well, I'm, I'm a mom of a three-year-old raised during the pandemic. Eric has three young children, and we're taking care of our parents. 
And so there are millions of others like us in the community that are taking care of children, taking care of parents. And a big part of that is navigating the healthcare system and getting parents to use the healthcare system the way it's designed but it's not in their language and it's not um, respecting a lot of their cultural behaviors. So that was really something that was important for Eric and I is let's build something that we're passionate about and that we can use as parents and as navigators for our own parents. And for the first time ever, I have the same doctor that my family has. And um, we signed in our first Texas patient a few weeks ago and it was my mom. And my mom got to do her first telehealth visit seeing the same doctor that I see, uh, you know, in, in a different state. And that was a really special moment because the healthcare system as designed today is siloing families. And as a, you know, first generation Latina to go to college and get a graduate degree and build a career, I've moved across several states. And unfortunately, my family hasn't been able to follow me in all those states. And so I want them to experience the same convenience and innovation that I've been able to design for other communities um, and really start to bring us together under a, a telehealth infrastructure that I can see the same doctor that my mom can see. And if my mom wants me to, I can sit in on her visits. And it's those experiences that bring the Latino community together and that were really important for Eric and I to design around. FOMO. FOMO. I love it. And let's have a shout out to Marissa's mom. I bet she would. That must have been, I mean, I, I don't know. I would have been crying my eyes out if I were you seeing my mom use the company. I mean, it is beautiful. And that is, you know, sometimes like we all get a little cynical and it's like, oh, the American dream, blah, blah, blah. That is, that is a great example of the fact that these things can happen. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about, you know, the Latino community uh, is you know, some, some, we have lots of people who listen to the show all over the world from Latin America, from the U.S. Hispanic community, the Latino community, um, who, who, who get it, right? They're like, okay, I super get this. But for many of us, the specific dynamics and, and the need for a specific solution may not be very clear. Talk about how you have designed this experience, knowing the particular needs, the cultural, medical, everything else for the Latino community. Yeah, this is a really important question because, again, the first six months of Zocalo Health was talking to the patients, talking to Latino patients um, in L.A., in San Diego, in the Bay Area, knowing that the word Latinos are, you know, still a very broad term that encompasses several different populations, several geographies, several um, ethnic backgrounds. And it was important for us to recognize what are those unique features within each of the communities that was um, creating barriers to healthcare. Um, and one of the most common themes we heard across all of these groups is it's really hard for me to find providers that of course speak my language, but recognize that I have unique needs, that I maybe um, have some trust I need to build before I see you as a healthcare provider and trust you as a healthcare provider. And you know, some of those common themes were really what built the Zocalo Health Care Model. And that care model is led by a promotora de salud, a community health worker. And as we think about 
about community health workers who have been around for many generations, they're in the community, they know the neighbors, they know the resources, and they help connect people. They're connectors and they're translators. They translate this complicated healthcare system into the community that needs it. And so it's uh, an important role that the healthcare system has used and evolved over time, um, but it was really the inspiration for the Zocalo Health model that we have a person in the community that's translating the healthcare system for each of our members. Um, you know, the other thing we heard loud and clear was that there's a lot of programs out there. There's um, health plans, there's services, but they're all written in English. And um, if they are written in Spanish, it's bad translation and we don't trust that. And so again, it's a trust issue. So we had to take people from the community to lead our care model, to lead the engagement and, and build trust. And that was the most important thing in, in building Zocalo Health is how do we build trust across a community that has lost trust over several generations? And as we see the census data, the Latino community continues to grow across states and it's becoming the majority in, in many states, yet the healthcare system can continues to be this one-size-fits-all system that is leaving behind um, a lot of the groups that need it the most. So for, for Zocalo Health, language, of course, is um, important, but it's about culture, it's about engagement, and it's about coming from the community to build that trust and engage the members in their healthcare journey. I want to talk a little bit about the Promotor de Salud because I, it makes me think, and I, I've read articles, and also just kind of having you know spent a lot of time in the in the Latino community in the U.S. and in investing in Latin America culturally, observing some things that there are these sort of interesting like community leaders, people in the community, for example, on issues that are really hot button issues for Latin community, like immigration. There's there I've read articles about like there's that storefront in the neighborhood in Queens where like everybody goes there and there's a really well-respected person who is kind of like the community expert and support. And so everybody kind of knows that they can trust this person. And is this kind of what you're doing? You're saying we're going to have this person in your community who like everybody knows and supports and they are going to be our ambassador to that community to build trust. Is and how do you find those people and how do they spend their days? Yeah, that's exactly right. The The concept of a promotora de salud is not new by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, we're trying to take what works already in a lot of the, the Latin American countries and bring that here to the U.S. where, one, for one, it's already been in use. We're just trying to make it a little bit more mainstream and, and more standard practice because it works. It's also uh, a very beneficial way to, to leverage resources in the community that already want to be a part of the community. You know, the one thing about the Latino community is that we're, we're united. We're, we unify really easily. And what better way to, to, to get these resources in the community to help improve the health of their own community? And I think that's where we're trying to really combine the two is, is take individuals that are, that are already in the community, taking a health system and, and really sort of eliminating the, the, the parameters of, of the brick and mortar clinic and making it about community health. Um, so this is where our, our promotoras today, you know, they're from the communities that we serve. That's how we break apart the, the, this concept that Latinos are a monolith and really start to provide uh, a scalable yet very personalized and local feel to, to healthcare delivery. That's what we're doing with our, with our promotoras. Okay, now I want to ask you about something that's kind of hard, which is this. So I had this experience. I was on the board of a of a, a call center business that served the U.S. Latino community out of Mexico, out of Monterrey, out of Guadalajara, 
And um, what we learned very quickly was that a Cuban in Miami was not interested in talking to somebody in Mexico and that you had to have a, you had to be thoughtful about it. I mean, they, the people could chat, but you had to be very thoughtful about not looking at the the community as as a monolith. And I know that's important. To you you chose to name your company Zocalo, which is my favorite part in Mexico City. If you haven't been to Zocalo, it's like it's a magical place. Like you stand there and you feel, I don't know, you just feel like something's happening in your life. But that is a it's a it's a it's very clearly someplace that everybody knows is in Mexico. So as you think about branding, as you think about communication, all this stuff, I know you thought about it because I'm sure you were like, we got to get this right. How have you been able to tailor this experience while at the same time serving the very diverse communities that range from, you know, Tierra del Fuego all the way up to northern Mexico, you know, that live in the United States? That's a tricky one, Eric. I'm going to put that on you. Yeah, no, it's a great, it's a great point. It's a great call out because, um, you know, being Mexican American, my parents are immigrants from Mexico. Um, we knew what El Zócalo uh, stood for. Uh, but what was more important for us, rather than just, you know, honoring Mexico as as uh, as the landmark that it is, is just what what it meant for the community, what it meant for uh, smaller towns and villages where they had a central square and how they really brought community together. And, and my vision for our company isn't just to, to provide same day access to a doctor, it's really to help improve the overall health of our community by building community. It's not just doctor visits, it's not just connecting to a mental health expert, it's being able to build community. And, and you know, we're very social people uh, surrounding around uh, the community around food and, and people and other activities, like those things are really important. And, and I hope that at some point in the future, SoCalo Health can grow into, into that vision, into that, that, that dream. Um, but yeah, you know, again, I'll, I'll go back to the point that, you know, we are going to honor our roots. We're going to, we're going to honor the, the things that unify the Latino community, but we're also going to be very personal when it comes to people's preferences. And I think this is an important point because, you know, a lot of times when you think about Latino health and, and, and healthcare for underserved communities, oftentimes we sort of just depend on safety net services and, by default, a lot of these safety net services don't have the resources to really innovate. And what we get to do is we get to build technology to supplement, to augment these relationships that we talk about. And this is where our promotoras aren't going out into the into the field with a, a notepad and a pencil. They're, they're using technology to gather details about people's personal preferences. If it's a uh, specific language, it's a specific uh, culture, a specific tradition, all of those things matter in how we consume healthcare, and those things matter for us as a team because we want to be able to provide a personalized experience that that meets those those uh, those those needs. And so that's where I think we have a real real opportunity to to leverage technology to augment that that relationship with our patient and their family and their household to provide that experience that I don't think that people are seeing today in the broader healthcare landscape. You know, this is the moment where I have to kind of just give you some props because what I see in what you're building, which, you know, you're FOMO sapiens because you just are, but the, the the intentionality from the branding through to the approach, through to how you integrate the tech, through to the, I mean, this is the thing, this is like a, for all you entrepreneurs listening, like what's cool about this business is that the DNA is consistent all the way through the 
the thing, right? It's not, it, it, it's just like, it's been thought out. And so you've created a strategy that's very integrated. And so like, just, it, it feels like you've spent the time, which is great. And, and I think just everybody, as you hear this, like this is a little bit of a masterclass on how to think through a business from start to end. I'm sure there are lots of challenges. So tell us now that I've given you <laughs> some love, cause I, and it's, it comes from the heart because I, I, I really, I'm just like sitting here. I'm like, this is very cool. I'm getting, I want to like become a promotor de salud next week. I think I'd be good at it. Um, Tell me, Marissa, what's the biggest challenge you found so far? Like both the sort of unexpected and the, and the expected. Yeah. So I, I mentioned trust earlier that that was incredibly important for us to gain and work for. And I think we're still in the learning process of how do we build trust in a community that doesn't trust the healthcare system. And so one of the things that we hear very often, and this is you know, traditional build it and they will come. We're building it and some people are just not coming. And we're having conversations. We're using the promotoras to have discussions. And a lot of the questions we get are, is this really for me? Is this something I can use? Um, and so you, you have beautiful branding, you have this convenient solution. You can see a doctor same day. You can talk to a doctor for 30 minutes, sometimes even 45 minutes. Um, you can ask a doctor just a question. You don't even have to have a problem. And people struggle with that concept because they've been conditioned to the healthcare system as it is today, which is long wait times. You maybe talk to a receptionist first and then a nurse, and then maybe you get maybe two or three minutes with a provider. And now we're shifting the model to you're in the driver's seat. You get to meet the provider today and you get the time to talk to a provider. This is all for you. We're designing it for you. And there's still you know, a little bit of, this is too good to be true. Is this really designed for me? And so in, in true development fashion, we're having to have those conversations and we have to slow down the team. We have to slow everyone down to have that important discussion, knowing that each discussion brings us data points on how to build that trust. So. Let's get rid of all the templates. Let's get rid of all the forms. Let's get rid of the intake process and just meet people where they're at and let them do the talking and let them tell us what they're concerned about and let them tell us what's important to them. So in these early days, as we build a care model for a Latino community, we have to be super cautious about the conversations and the discussions so that we can build trust and we can start to understand what um, what is concerning our, our patients and our customers. And it's definitely one thing to build something that's convenient and beautiful and has this amazing care model. But if your target customer doesn't trust it, then you're, you're never gonna scale. And so we're really being deliberate and taking the time to have the discussions and to make room for that discussion. And then to document it and, and you know, Eric and I coming from Amazon, we measure everything and are, are very focused on data-driven decisions. And those qualitative discussions are so rich and important to us. And so that's something I think will continue to be a challenge. Is we just have to give our, our patients, our members space to talk to us before we start to build and iterate and um, customize solutions around a problem we don't know exists yet. Yeah, I'll share uh, something else, Patrick. I think uh, Marissa's point is, is spot on. And that's one thing that we're not afraid to, to try things and we're not afraid 
to experiment with new things and new experiences that, that people may not be used to. We spent a lot of time building a beautiful door that was the door to our clinic, to our experience. And we opened it thinking people would walk right in. And what we realized is that we needed to go out into the community and, and welcome people in. My own mom, my mom and dad are immigrants from Mexico. When I told her that we were building this company, she was she was proud because she, she felt like she had to be. Um, but when I explained to her exactly what we were doing and she realized that, that we were there to help people she never thought of herself as a, as a patient. It wasn't until I like set her up and walked her through the process that she was like, oh my God, like this is great. And so, yeah, to, to Marissa's point, it's, it's one thing as an entrepreneur to build something that you know is needed, but you also have to be able to, to walk people through, through the process, especially when you're dealing with generations of just these systemic problems that people have faced with the traditional healthcare system that just, uh, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to solve that overnight, but you're going to you're going to chip away and make important progress if you don't it the right way, listening to your customers. I'm glad you use the term systemic problem because it really cues up my last question, which is, and we've talked about this. Everybody, everybody, listen to FOMO Sapiens. You guys know we talk about this all the time, which is that venture capital it just goes in one direction. It goes towards certain types of people. Why is that? Because the VC funds look a certain way and people have the same background and the same the same networks and all sort of stuff. So it's a problem. And the numbers say, I mean, just look at the numbers. 2% of VC goes to Latin founders, where I believe Latino, Latina uh, uh, community represents, I don't know, 13%, is it or 15% of the US population, something like that-ish? Do you want to tell me, Mar Marissa, am I right? Yeah. yeah. You should know this number. Yeah. Okay, good. I was like, that's your target market. You know the number. <laughs> anyway, so it's, it's not easy. And I, you just announced uh, in, in 2022, you raised $5 million. So that's, that's a real round. So what was it, you know, how did you find investors who got it? You know, what was the secret? Yeah, well, as you, as you stated, um, VC is very much about pattern matching. And unfortunately, Latinos like Marissa and I uh, oftentimes don't fit that pattern. And, you know, it's something that we knew going into this was going to be very difficult. Um, we certainly didn't walk out of Amazon and, and, and people didn't just hand us checks. I mean, this is, you know, Marissa and I have decades of combined experience in healthcare. We've worked for some pretty innovative companies, um, obviously the Amazon experience. Um, so we knew going in that this was going to be very difficult. And we got a lot of notes along the way. There were There were probably... Uh, orders of magnitude more no's than there were yeses. Um, but once we really started to pull the story together, again, using the narrative-driven approach that Amazon had taught us, I felt that we were really able to tell the story the way it needed to be told so that people could see the opportunity. And the point I want to make is, is that, yes, we got investors that ultimately uh, did um, you know, see the opportunity and did want to be a part of this. But I think the real important thing there is to try to break this cycle is we were very intentional about who we took money from. And while we could have taken money from a big VC and called it a day and started to build, we wanted to be very intentional. And what we ended up doing is we did a party round. We had about a dozen investors and we made sure that a majority of our money came from investors that looked like us, or at least had it in their thesis to invest in underrepresented founders. Because if we're successful, we want this to open up uh, a new pattern that Latino founders like Marissa and I can be successful, can, you know, really drive impact. 
and really, again, just create a new pattern so that as this pattern matching continues, people can see this new pattern that we've created. And I think that's something that I hope pays off for us in the long run and will be something that impacts those entrepreneurs that look like us that are that are just behind us. All right. If you want to find out more about Zocalo Health, go to Zocalo.health. You can find them on Twitter and Instagram at Zocalo Health. Eric Cardenas and Marissa Harden, co-founders of Zocalo Health. Thanks a lot for being here. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you very much. FOMO. If you like today's show, please be sure to rate it and recommend it to your friends. And as always, you can find me on Instagram at Patrick J. McGinnis, on Twitter at PJ McGinnis, and on the web at FOMOSapiens.com or PatrickMcGinnis.com, where you can get all kinds of free resources to live a more decisive and entrepreneurial life. FOMO Sapiens is recorded in New York City. Theme music is by Mike McGinnis, and editing and post-production is by Josh Elstro. If you like today's show, please be sure to rate it and recommend it to your friends. And as always, you can find me at FOMOSapiens.com and at PatrickMcGinnis.com. To advertise on FOMO Sapiens, reach out to contact at FOMOSapiens.com. FOMO.